0: Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Polly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. This episode is the sixth part of a series of discussions on kingdom parables. I hope you enjoy this study. All right, well, welcome back, everybody, and welcome back to the studio, Wes. Thanks. We're back. We're doing more parables.
1: More parables. This one is... I mean, it is a parable, but it's wrapping up. And I, I think this is a good one for us to end on. Yeah. We've, we've done you know, several weeks now. I guess this will be our sixth week, sixth episode on uh, what is the kingdom of heaven. And we've talked about Jesus' parables and how that reveals to us that the kingdom isn't something that Jesus is, is taking us to. This isn't a place Jesus is taking us. This is something Jesus is bringing to us mm. that Jesus has already begun to bring it to us and that it will it will reach its full culmination on the final day, but in the meantime, it's already here. It's already amongst us like a seed sown, you know, in the ground, like leaven worked into dough, like, you know, all of these things that that he describes it as and and this last one I think is a good way to to wrap up. Yeah. Okay, so he asks his apostles or his disciples verse 51 his inner circle have you understood all these things (laughs) and they said to him yes yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Like, yeah. it, the the text doesn't say, you know, Matthew doesn't say, but we really didn't understand all of these things.
0: Yeah, but to be fair, I've done that to plenty of teachers sure. in yeah. my time. Yeah. You know, did you get it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got it.
1: I got it. And, and maybe, you know, and, and we've talked about the nature of parables and how the nature of parables is to be like riddles. You know, mm-hmm. the, these are riddles, and Jesus is putting these riddles before them. And kind of part of the point here with these parables— is that some people get them and some people don't and that those that get them get the kingdom and that those that don't get them don't get the kingdom and that they they are actually and we talked it last week about judgment mm-hmm. and these parables are actually an act of judgment they're an actually they're actually a way to begin to separate the wheat and the tares right. a way to begin to separate the fish is those who have ears to hear will hear these parables and reflect on them and say, oh, yeah, I need to follow Jesus. I need to commit my life to him. And that other people will hear them and say, but that's foolish or that's silly or I'm not going to live that way or I don't believe that. Uh, And some people will reject him. In fact, the next part of of Matthew 13 goes on to talk about Jesus being in his hometown and being rejected. And so it's more evidence that there's a lot of people that just, you know, refuse to believe and refuse to accept and refuse to have ears to hear. Um, and so the disciples are those who, you know, how much they understood in the moment, you know that, I guess that's you know debatable, but but they said, yeah, we get it, we understand. Um, and then so he says, in verse fifty two of Matthew 13, he says, "Therefore every scribe, who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Um, Okay, so several things there to unpack. That's just kind of a mysterious way to end this section.
0: Talk about a riddle.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, But a couple things I think that, that will help us understand what he means is first he says, every scribe, And so a scribe is somebody who writes, you know, a scribe is somebody who copies the scriptures. A scribe was an expert in the scriptures, um, but he was a a copyist. He was somebody who who wrote things down. And so he's talking about scripture, you know, he's talking about the scriptures. And so he says, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven. So again this whole section is about, you know, are you trained for the kingdom of heaven? Are you prepared for the kingdom of heaven? Will you receive the kingdom of heaven? Will you be good soil? You know, that's the whole question is, will you be good soil? Or will you be the soil that, you know, is rocky or the, the soil that um, the, the birds come and, and pluck it up? Or will you be like the, the soil that has weeds in it? what kind of soil will you be and he says the kind of scribe that is good soil the kind of scribe that is prepared for the kingdom of heaven or trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house so again like here's here's a parable you know within a parable maybe or even a you know parable within this description and he so he says it's it's like somebody who's the master of a house and he brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Hmm. And I, I think that by talking about what is new, this scribe that is able to reach into the treasure and bring out things that are new are the things that Jesus is revealing to them. Because all of these things are are hmm. pretty new revelations about what is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of new revelation here that Jesus is revealing things about the kingdom that that up to this point, had not been revealed to the scribes had not been revealed to the people of Israel so these are new revelations about what the kingdom of heaven is what it's going to be all about what the the kingdom ethic is how the kingdom is going to operate how the kingdom is going to overlap this current age how the kingdom will last forever but that the kingdom or the the era of this age is going to continue for a while. So these all are n- new things yeah. that, that you might not be ready to accept. But he says, if you're a scribe who's, who's trained for the kingdom of heaven, then you're going to bring out of your treasure the things that are new and the things that are old. And so you're able to hold both of these things together at one time and say, this is a treasure, this new thing is a treasure, and this old thing is a treasure. And I think, again, the old thing, these old things would be the things that had already been revealed, the the things in Scripture that had already been revealed about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It isn't that you have to choose between, well, uh, Wait, so is Isaiah right about the kingdom or is Jesus right about the kingdom? Was was Daniel right about the kingdom or is Jesus right about the kingdom? It isn't that you have to choose between what's new and what's old. It's that you're able to hold both of those in your hands simultaneously and say, yes, they're both true. That all of these things that have been revealed to us through the prophets and through the law that all of these things are true. And these things that Jesus is revealing to us now about the kingdom, these things are also true. And this this wise um, scribe or this master of the house is able to take out of the treasure both of those things and hold them in his hand simultaneously. And I think there's all kinds of application for us in these things. One is listen to Jesus. You know, take the things that are new, but also be able to pair those with and see the harmony between what Jesus is saying and what the kingdom what the the prophets of old were saying mm-hmm. and I think we have a really hard time doing that I, I think that a lot of, I, I, not necessarily everyone and, and maybe there's a sort of a, a shift in what's going on you know with scholars and, and theologians but you know in my lifetime I've seen you know I grew up you know hearing Christians, Practically dismiss the entire Old Testament. Like if it happened before Matthew, if it was you know Genesis to Malachi, you know it was like well that's not that's not our Bible. In fact, there there's a um, a teacher, a a, a preacher, author that wrote a book. I can't remember the name of the the book, but um, his name is Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley is a phenomenal communicator, one of my favorite communicators in the world. But I, I fundamentally disagree with his perspective on the Old Testament. He he says that his phrase is unhitched that the church should be unhitched from the old testament mm. and what he doesn't like is is having to deal with some of those difficult things in the old testament well what about the israelites going into canaan and and you know and was it genocide you know when they when they conquered the land or did jesus or did god tell them to commit genocide and he doesn't want to have to answer those questions and yeah. so he says well it's easier if we just unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. He says, well, that's the Jewish Bible, and this is the Christian Bible. The the Old Testament belongs to the Jews, and the New Testament belongs to Christians. Well, man, there are so many problems with that. Yeah, I mean, speaking
0: of, you know, we've been talking a lot about the overlap of the kingdom and yeah, the, and the yeah, world.
1: Yes, yeah. A lot of
0: overlap between the Old Testament and the New.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And even the way we think of those phrases as Old and New Testaments, yeah. as if you know one has nothing to do with the other and nothing could be further from the truth, it's more like, here's a covenant a, a marriage, a an agreement that God makes with with Israel. Yeah. And then not only does he come and ratify and redeem that covenant, he what Jesus does is actually it's phenomenal. He keeps God's end of the covenant by blessing not only Israel, but blessing all nations of mankind through Israel, through the, the, the seed of Abraham, mm-hmm. um, by, by giving them their inheritance, by forgiving their sins. So God keeps his end of the bargain through Jesus, but then he also keeps Israel's end of the bargain by being faithful to the Father unto death. So mm. Jesus is God, perfectly representing every promise he ever made to Israel. And God coming—and that's the way John puts the gospel—is about God coming to Israel, God being sent, you know, the Word of God being made flesh and dwelling amongst his people. So, so God— comes and fulfills his end of the bargain with Israel. But then Jesus is also the perfect Israelite who keeps Israel's part of the covenant with God. And so he's able to really, truly, on both ends—that's the beauty of the incarnation, is that Jesus is fully God, and God is fulfilling his promises to Israel. And Jesus is fully man, fully Israelite. He is the embodiment of israel he is the seed of abraham and he fulfills the covenant on both sides of it he becomes god's fulfillment and abraham's fulfillment or israel's fulfillment and fulfills both sides of the covenant but then beautifully so especially for our sake that that covenant and agreement is expanded to include and to graft in to use paul's language in romans 11 to graft into the family of Israel Gentile people, the people that are not descendants of Abraham. And so now God is blessing all nations of mankind, and not just blessing them, but adopting them into his family. Mm -hmm. So to to put it in terms of like old covenant, new covenant, like this, this is their covenant, this is our covenant, it's like, well... Yes and no. I mean, I like the phrase you used. Overlap. There yeah. is tons of overlap. Now, does that mean we're we're bound by the law of Moses? Well, no, of course not. Paul says that the law of Moses had as its intention to bring the people by faith. the The phrase he uses is a paidagagos. Um, and a, a paidagogos was a um, was a, a a slave that worked for a rich man it was kind of like i always think maybe a modern equivalent might be a nanny mm. like the 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 main purpose of the paidagogos was to sometimes we translate it as tutor but it's really to take them to f- school and from school and to watch over them the child and protect the child of their master until they reach a certain age and once they reach a certain age you don't need a nanny anymore you don't need a Again, schoolmaster, that's not a great translation, I don't think, but but it's really a, a guardian. Mm-hmm. A guardian's a great word. A guardian to watch over you until you reach adulthood. And he says once Israel, or once God's covenant people, that now includes both Jews and Gentiles, once they reached maturity, they don't need... They don't need a guardian anymore, and so yeah. we don't need the law of Moses to watch over us because now we've come to faith in the Messiah, and now that we've come to faith in the Messiah, the law has served its purpose. Yeah, I think,
0: man, uh, the I, I think that temptation that we have to sort of distance ourselves from the Old Testament, and I think a lot of that is cultural. Yeah, Like, sure. you know, there, there's, I know plenty of, especially evolutionists that make a make a killing talking about, you know... How can the God of the New Testament be the God of the Old Testament? Sure. And yeah. but I think it. I think one of the things that's over time p- been pointed out to me is the importance of the story. And you know, first of all, it makes no sense if you just pick up in Matthew. Right. You know,
1: that's exactly right. What, like yes. what
0: you, you're not going to have any idea where you are. But even even just dismiss even if you're to you know read the Old Testament and then just sort of dismiss so much of it. But you just want the context to start the New Testament. I think you're really missing out on, like you were talking about the training, the training wheels. Like, yeah. you know, I, I've heard people talk about, and I, th- I think this is also why historical context is really important too. Yeah. Understanding where the Bible is at, because I think as obviously they're crucifying. You know that that was a that was a that was a pretty barbaric thing that was going on during the time of of Christ. Right. But compared to what Canaan would have looked like, for example, or, you know, maybe a better example is Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, Rome was actually pretty civilized. Yeah, comparatively, yeah. And I think about that, and, you know, Paul, we, you know, I, I, we talk a lot in the church about Paul's phrase that he uses, you know, that Jesus came in the fullness of time. It's like, I, I think there is something to that. Like, he came in the perfect part of the story. Yeah. Um. And, and, I, and I think there's all sorts of... of identifiers we can use to to sort of think about why that might be and one of them i think is the world became pretty barbaric the world was was you know in the time of the old testament was looked obviously very different than now but even more even really different from what the world jesus came into Mm -hmm. and i think there is i think there's something really powerful about you know these stories of God redeeming his people, you know, he, he brings them out of the land of Egypt. He's, he's ready to sort of reignite this covenant Mm -hmm. and, and they, I mean, they're, they're, it's like they're out there for 20 minutes and they lose sight of Moses and they're like, well, he's gone. We need something else. And they start worshiping one of the barbaric gods of, that they knew about from, from, from Egypt. And, and, and they just sort of Give in to this human tendency to, in the absence of God, oh, we'll find something to worship, yeah, yeah, and I think to miss out on again those treasures that we have in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that I think can remind us how how easily we can regress because obviously yeah. we know that even today there's no shortage of barbarism and sure. and you know, I think we have to recognize that like that's that's within us and and it's our heritage, like, you know, I think, again, the importance of story, like, you know, knowing that we're, we're in a, we may not be in the book, but we're, you know, we're, we're part of that story. We yeah. are, we are part of the heritage of Abraham. Like we're, we're part of, you know, we, we've been grafted into this story yeah. that technically, you know, sp- technically speaking, we weren't supposed to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, that's then, exactly right. And then the intermediary came. Yeah. Somebody who could add a dimension to human's relationship with God that you couldn't have in the Old Testament. Again, I think the nature of good and evil that you see in the Old Testament and how God the Father cannot be associated with evil. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, the incarnated you know, man God, <laughs> the Son of Man, yeah. can contend with us. He can contend with mm-hmm. our, our wretchedness. Yeah. and And again, I think you miss out on that if you yeah. don't take these These treasures, new and old together.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, you brought up a lot of great things there. I mean, that's that's exactly right. and I, I love the way you put it in terms of story because that's that's what it is. and and when we just take the New Testament by itself, we don't know, like you said, we can't possibly understand what story we're being a part of and what we've done, and we've done exactly this. and it happened very early on in Christian history. It actually happened um, as the gospel spread into the Greek world and as Greek philosophy, you know, began to, somewhat diminished the message, it got disconnected from the Jewish part of the story and became and got sort of plugged into a different story. Mm. And and that's what we tend to do. We we walk up to somebody on the street and, you know, where are you gonna go when you die? And well, wait a second. That the Bible isn't a story about where are you gonna go when you die. That's mm-hmm. not what the Bible's about. I mean if you read from Genesis to Malachi, you would never get the impression, oh this whole thing is really a, 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 what do they call it, Bible, B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. It's like, if you read from Genesis to Malachi, you would never think that's what the Bible was, was basic instructions mm-hmm. before living earth. Here's how to prepare for the afterlife. Well, that's a very Greek question, you know, yeah. how to pre- prepare for the afterlife. It's even a very modern Western question. How do you prepare for the afterlife? There was a, a TV show on maybe NBC, I don't know, The, the, the Good Place, right? Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, so it's a very modern right. way of thinking, like, how do you prepare for the good kind of, place versus of a reductionist the bad place? view life.
0: of... Right. And yeah, And And
1: that's, that's a very very... very different story. This Mm -hmm. isn't the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible isn't how do you prepare for the afterlife. The story of the Bible is about God's relationship with Israel and how God wants to come and dwell with his people Israel, and how God wants to redeem them from captivity and exile, how God wants to to establish his kingdom and his rule and his reign with his people. And so when you read the prophets, that's what the prophets had to say about the kingdom of heaven. The, the kingdom of God was that there's going to come this time when God's going to come, and, and, and he's going to have someone who prepares his way, like walking across the desert, and there's going to be someone who prepares the way of the Lord, and Yahweh is going to come, and God, Yahweh is going to set up his kingdom, and he's going to rule forever. And, and all of these things are true, and Jesus says, yes, everything the prophets said are true, but also add to those things these things that I'm revealing to you now. Yeah. So I want to I want to read, in, in conjunction with everything we've been saying um, about the kingdom of heaven, I want to go back and, and dig through some of the treasures that the prophets of old gave. Isaiah is one of these books that if you want to understand the story of Jesus, mm-hmm. you have to go back and you have to read books like Isaiah. Isaiah explains the story that Jesus is a part of, explains... What did the apostles mean when they said that Jesus fulfills all Scripture? What did he? What did they mean? They don't mean the apostles didn't mean that. Well, you take this proof text over here and this proof text over there, and you know, see here's a here's a little verse that refers to Jesus. No, it's this whole big picture of Yahweh coming to establish His kingdom and dwell with His people. So, like Isaiah 11 says, there there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, (laughs) like the stump, you know, like Jesse's kingdom and people, David's kingdom and people are cut off and, you know, cut down. But there's going to be a shoot from the stump that grows up. A branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord." He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So, I mean, you read that and you think, oh, so when Messiah comes, when the, when the branch comes— He's going to destroy the wicked right I mean that's what it says He's going to destroy the wicked with the rod of his mouth and Jesus says yes but not like you think. yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna shake out the way you think the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear graze shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. I mean, like, like kids are going to play over the poisonous, sorry, venomous snake's hole, you know? It, it, it's going to be such a, a marvelous time of peace that there's going to be nothing to be afraid of and nothing to be scared of. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so we have this tendency to read prophecies like this and say either, you know, one of two things. Either we say, well, the the Jewish people had the opportunity to experience that, but they blew it. Hmm. Like that could have been their fate, But they blew it they weren't faithful to god and so that those things never came true well wait a second that's saying that you can thwart god's plans that the entire message of isaiah is that you can't you're going to be punished for your wickedness but my kingdom is still going to come and so you know we say well either it's that or or people say well you know all of these things were fulfilled when the people came back from captivity you know Mm -hmm. they they went to babylon but then they came back and and then it was a time of peace wait but it wasn't. Like, it wasn't ever really a time of peace. And these things, even poetically, even figuratively, never came true. But m- the biggest problem with that is that it says that the Messiah, the the branch from the root of Jesse, he's the- going to be the one to bring this kingdom. Yeah. Or-, or somebody might say, wow, you know, this is just figurative, and it's talking about how good it is to be in the church. Well, wait a second. I mean, do you really think that the first-century Christians who were getting crucified, nailed to crosses, or having been being impaled on on stakes, being used as as Roman candles to light the streets of Rome, do you really think they would say, "Yes, this is the time the prophets prophesied about: the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat"? And the answer is. Yes, it is that time, but no, it's not that time. It's, right. it's it's both. It's what we've been saying all along, that our future hope is a present reality, but that Jesus is, is bringing this. He's in the process of bringing it, but it hasn't reached its full fulfillment. So when he says that the wise scribe, the scribe trained for the kingdom of heaven, is going to pull from the treasures the things that are old, these prophecies, and say, yes, all of these things are coming true in me. And the things that are new that say, yes, it's already, and it's not yet. It's the wheat and the tares. It's the the fish that are going to gradually be brought in. The, The day of judgment hasn't come yet, even though the kingdom has come. The day of judgment hasn't come yet. And because and, if you just read these prophecies like this, and it's all throughout the, the, the prophets, you'd think, oh, it's all going to happen immediately. It's all going to happen at once. The Messiah is going to come. Wickedness is going to be dealt with. It's going to be an age of peace forevermore. And Jesus says, yes, but not yet. You know, it's, it's yes, I'm bringing that. Yeah. But 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 just you're going to have to be patient, and you're going to have to endure tribulation for a time. Uh, but but this is the way the kingdom is going to come. It's going to come tiny, like a little seed. It's going to come like leaven worked into a lump of dough. It's going to come like a net that's being cast over the world. It's going to come like wheat being planted in the field, and and the evil is still going to grow up right beside it.
0: Well, I think that's the importance of like again the the like thinking about the story of scripture it, it, you know so much of the time it's it's focusing on individuals it's focusing and as you were saying we were talking about what is the Bible? like what is the bible you know what you know it's it's not just the what was it the basic oh yeah basic instructions yeah, basic
1: instructions before leaving
0: earth yeah like what a reductionist view of oh, for sure. of, of how complex it is but as you were saying that and i was thinking well what is it uh the visual that came to my head was um the the really powerful story about abraham's covenant with god as as god tells him you know, you're going to cut an animal in half and you i'm going to have you walk th- and you're going to pass through mm-hmm. the pieces and it, th- that visual of god saying i'm going to make a covenant with with you a mm-hmm. human i'm going i'm going to choose to enter into a covenant into a relationship into a partnership with you and again that you know with the, i mean obviously the world back then was a big place the world today so many people on earth and yet the story of scripture is about relationships it's mm-hmm. about god saying no i want to have a relationship and a partnership with you and the fulfillment of that the yeah. the great lengths to which god will go to sometimes clean the slate sometimes mm-hmm. have to sometimes have to deal with evil in yeah. pretty spectacular ways yeah. um but ultimately, choosing over and over and over again, I want to. I, I want a relationship with my people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's mind boggling that the way God is bringing His kingdom, the way God is changing the world, the way that God is is doing His work, is through us. And we could spend a whole new series, you know, mm-hmm. talking about that idea. That idea that that. God would n- not only act in human history, to us modern people, that's what's shocking, I guess, is that that God would act in human history, that God would step into... He's a
0: character. Right, that he yeah. would,
1: yes, yeah, step into his own story, because it that very much goes against the deistic idea. Uh, the deism is like, God just wound up this world. You know, obviously there's a creator, but he just kind of wound it up and let it go. But the gospel undermines that to its core and says, no, God has been involved with his creation since the beginning, and he stepped into his story in the person of Jesus, and that he continues to work in the world through his spirit. But what's shocking is that he's partnered with a group of people, with Israel, and now with the new Israel, in Jews and Gentiles, all these people that have been brought into his kingdom. He's partnered with us, and he's entered into us through his spirit, and he's working in the world through us in this partnership that is obviously lopsided, right? It's like, wait, like, God, if you're going to do stuff, like, why don't you just do it on your own? Like, you just act, and, you know, we'll just sit back and watch. Let us be the spectators. And God says, no, I don't want you to be the spectators. I want you to be the participants, and I want you to participate in bringing judgment upon evil, shining light into dark places, and i want you to participate in bringing good to the world. And you say, "God, wait, don't you know how broken i am? Don't you know how messed up i am?" And and he says, "I know. I know, and i'm going to bear with you, and i'm going to love you, and i'm going to forgive you, and i'm going to give you my spirit to empower you." And this is what everything Paul and the apostles write about is this is the gift that we've been given. We've been given the gift of like you said partnership that he's partnered with his people to accomplish good in the world and that's what was shocking about you know Israel and you look at it and you say well yeah god maybe your first mistake was partnering with messed up people you know and and god says i know but i'm going to i'm going to hang with them i'm going to hang with them and and here's what needs to happen i got to take out their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh i'm going to give them my spirit to change the way that they think and the way they act in the world and that's what he's saying he's done in us and it gives me chills and it's like yeah but god you, I, you still have a lot of work to do on me and he says i know but i am I'm, I'm going i am doing that now and forever and that, that that forever that age of peace and and god dealing with evil and it all has already begun it began the moment jesus rose from the dead it 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 continued when he sent his spirit on his apostles, 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost were baptized, received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit begins to spread throughout, you know, Jerusalem and Judea and, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and the Spirit continues to spread, and the Spirit has come to dwell in us as we've begun to live in obedience to the gospel and be baptized into Jesus. It's a marvelous story, but it's overwhelming sometimes to think, I've been given a role in that story. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been grafted into that story and the kingdom of heaven has has begun and has begun to be and it has been for 2000 years that net has begun to be cast out and and we're being gathered into it and we're participating with it and the world is being changed even right now and you say yeah but but we need like a final, like, you know, deal with all of the evil and like change me. And, and it affirms that that day is coming mm-hmm. and our flesh and flesh means weakness, our weakness, the weakness of our flesh will be redeemed and we'll be transformed. If we die, we'll be resurrected and transformed. If, you know, if we're, we still live when the, when the Lord comes back, we'll be transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, you know, and, and then in that perfection, then, Everything that the prophet said, you know, it will reach its full culmination, its full realization. But even right now, it's already begun. That's the marvelous thing about that already and not yet. And the already has begun in us. And we are these—Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are—if we're in Christ, we are new creation. And that's like, wow. (laughs) Wow. That's a great honor, God, but you know, there's days where I don't really feel like new creation, like I feel like there's still so much work to be done. And God says, Yeah, yeah, there is, and I'm I'm doing that, I'm redeeming you, I'm sanctifying you, but you're already a little bit, a little piece of new creation, a little temple of the Holy Spirit, a little piece of the Messiah, his hands and his feet in the world, and you are a part of what God is doing in the world, and it's it's marvelous. I really hope you enjoyed this Bible study, and I hope you'll subscribe to hear future episodes of the podcast. A big thank you to Travis Pauley, as well as our McDermott Road Church family for helping to make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. We love you. God loves you. And we hope you have a wonderful day.